Here we are in our circle again. A circle of vision and reflection. A forum for empowering and making real. Here we are, another conscious moment. Another waypoint. A bridge spanning the shores of today and tomorrow. Beckoning us to cross the chasm one day at a time. Here we are gathered again at the cusp of the future, at the boundary that holds community together. We are here in a gathering circle of love and trust, brought to this moment by a series of choices and promises, by hope and gratitude, by our own shadows faced and befriended. With a servant's heart, with a leader's listening, with a caregiver's love, truer than all our inner trembling. Let us model the health we seek for all and lean into true community, doing our best, as hesitant, tentative and messy as that may be. Somewhere out there, all that we dream is possible. Somewhere in here, we are faithfully sowing the seeds. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Essex Church. Welcome to this gathering of spiritual and religious seekers drawn here from near and far, in person, or listening in later via the podcast, all of us together forming this beloved community known as Kensington Unitarians. Thank you for choosing to be here today, for getting up and out and across London on time. Thank you for making spiritual community a priority in your life. Our presence and attention is a gift. It does our hearts good to be together. If anyone's here for the first time today, a special welcome to you. I hope you find something in the service that speaks to your condition. Please do stay for tea and biscuits afterwards if you can. Make yourselves at home. And if you're a regular here, thank you for your commitment, your caring. Every single one of us plays a part in co-creating this church, this sanctuary, this sacred space for comfort and challenge, for connection with that which is both within us and beyond. So whoever you are, however you are, whatever state you woke up in this morning, you are welcome here. Let's bring all that we are to this shared endeavour. And let's also light our chalice flame now, as we do each week, and as fellow Unitarians do up and down the country, and Unitarian Universalists in churches all over the world. This simple ritual connects us in solidarity with progressive people of faith the world over and reminds us of the proud and historic religious tradition of which we are a part. (coughs) We light this chalice at the dawn of a new year letting go of what has been open and hopeful for what may come, restored, renewed, ready to live life fully anew. May we move forward with intention. By the light of this small chalice, we prepare for the future. We prepare ourselves for times of triumph and times of trial that may lie ahead. We prepare ourselves to be present to one another with loving hearts, even in the most difficult of times. We prepare ourselves to make the connections that will lift us out of isolation, 
and prepare the path of justice and equality. Let's take those joys and concerns into a, a time of prayer and reflection now. You might want to take a moment to get yourself into the right state of body and mind to pray for a little while. Perhaps put down anything you don't need to be rustling. Try and be fully present here and now in this time and place with ourselves, with each other and that which is larger than us. Deep mystery of our lives, voice in our hearts and light in our minds. In the blessed freedom of our fellowship, we travel together as adventurers called forth in spirit, pushing the limits of our lives outwards to what is more loving and just, more beautiful and true. Here in this meeting place, this church made holy by the memories, aspirations and ideals of those who came before us, May we be inspired by their example. These, our forebears, were people of great vision and spirit. Yet we here today are also people of vision and spirit, pilgrims making our way in the world and seeking the good. We too wonder at the great mysteries of the cosmos. We give thanks for the many gifts we have been given we too find ourselves powerfully moved by a deep concern for our world and our care for one another. The spirit moves also in us as a free religious community, joined in aspiration, commitment and hope. So let us take a moment to reflect and pause on our shared journey. Let us gently acknowledge the struggles and the difficulties that may be weighing on us this morning. Those concerns and challenges we're facing and all the suffering that we witness in the wider world. And let us silently, inwardly, ask for the guidance we need to take the next step, to ask for help perhaps or to offer it. And let us also take a moment to remember with gratitude all that is good in our lives today. All that gives us strength and hope, comfort and joy, the things we need to flourish and grow. And let us silently, inwardly give thanks for these everyday blessings that help sustain us on the path. May ours be a faith that is more than just fine words and high ideals. May ours be a faith of vitality and commitment, a faith that orients our lives towards the good. May ours be a faith that shines to the world as the light of deeds and the witness of actions. 
source and spirit of our lives as we look forward to the coming week. May we respond boldly to your call for adventure. Help us to live well, to be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and joy. Amen. It Matters by Robert Walsh I knew a man who had printed on his stationery this proverb Nothing is settled, everything matters It established a certain ambience for reading his letters as if to say what you are about to read is to be taken seriously but it is not final I remember him and his proverbs sometimes, especially when it seems impossible to change the world or myself in any significant way. Times like the beginnings of New Year's. Sorry, Jim, I say. It's not true that nothing is settled. In the past year, choices have been made, losses have been suffered, there's been growth and decay, there have been commitments and betrayals. None of that can be undone. A year ago, no one knew whether this year would see one person would become pregnant, another get cancer, another take a new job, another have an accident. But now it is settled. One day this year, I was present just when someone needed me. Another day I was busy doing something else when I was needed. One day I said something to a friend that injured our relationship. Another day I said something that enabled a person to see life in a new way. The best and the worst of those days is now written. All my tears of joy or sorrow cannot erase or undo it. If I stay with my meditation long enough, the reply comes. Robbie, says Jim, you have misunderstood the proverb. It is true that you cannot escape the consequences of your action or the chances of the world. But what is not settled is how the story turns out. What is not settled is what the meaning of your life will be. The meaning of a life is not contained within one act, or one day, or one year. As long as you are alive, the story of your life is still being told, and the meaning is still open. As long as there is life in the world, the story of the world is still being told. What is done is done but nothing is settled. And if nothing is settled, then everything matters. Every choice, every act in the new year matters. Every word, every deed is making the meaning of your life and telling the story of the world. Everything matters in the year to come. And more importantly, Everything matters today.
The year I turned 30 was a tricky one for me. I was unsettled in all the largest areas of my life, vocation, location, and relationship. Decisions loomed, each one feeling huge, potentious, and muddled up with other choices facing me. In the midst of this decision-making turmoil and angst, I took a trip to southern Mexico, where I spent some time in the little town of San Cristobal. I was drawn to the town's old churches, where I felt comfort and a sense of holiness, simply because they held within their walls centuries of human longing and hope. One morning, I walked into my favourite of these churches and sat in the front pew, breathing the musty peace of this place. The ornate altar was full of candles, each one lit by someone's hope or yearning. Then a dozen people entered, local men and women who wore beautiful, bright woven clothes of that area. They were led by an older man dressed in white and they all came to the altar and knelt on the stone floor in front of me. I watched as the leader made supplications and prayed for 15 minutes. Not in the Spanish I knew, but an indigenous tongue I couldn't fathom. After a short expectant silence, he then turned and took the wrist of the woman sitting next to him. He bowed his head for a moment, then looked into her face and began to speak quietly, only to her. One by one, he did the same thing for each person in the group, took a wrist, bowed tenderly over it in silence, and then spoke with a quiet certainty, each person listening intently, nodding. It dawned on me that this man was a diviner and that he held each person's wrist with his thumb on the pulse point. After listening to the secrets of their hearts, he looked into each face with authority and wisdom and spoke the truth he discerned. As I watched this ceremony and the kind face of the man from out of my private fog of doubt and indecision, I found myself filled with yearning. I wanted nothing in the world more than to have him cradle my wrist in his hand and bow his head to listen with his inner ear for the direction my life ought to take. Then he would turn those eyes to me and speaking in a language I could understand say, this is what you should do. I would listen and nod, everything suddenly clear, and then I'd be on my way free of doubt. But it didn't happen. The holy man never caught my eye, and I didn't try to cross the barriers of language, culture and belief to ask him to listen to my beating heart. Instead, I walked back out into the flat, 
hot sunlight and the practical streets of San Cristobal, full of ordinary people dealing with life's unknowns and making their choices. Eventually, through the course of time and struggle, I made the decisions that faced me then and went on to the next ones and the next. We all come to some decision points when every option seems ambiguous and we have no clue which way to go. We arrive at a turn in the road that we can't see around until we take the next steps forward. And we take those steps not knowing whether we've made the right choice. We continue on a wing and a prayer. But sometimes, if we can be still, if we can stop our anxious dithering and wait quietly, we'll hear our heart's wisdom. It's beating there at the pulse point, waiting for us to listen. Come now to a time of meditation, so you might want to once again get comfortable in your chair, put down anything you don't need to be holding, you might want to get your feet flat on the floor, perhaps close your eyes, perhaps look at the candles. I'm going to read some words from Thomas Rhodes, a short meditation on the blessings of the crooked path, on the diversions and detours in our lives, and after these words we'll have a, a few minutes for shared stillness and silence. 
As ever, you're free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. I'll sound the bell when it's time to bring the meditation to a close. Spirit of life and love, you who are our source, our call and our ultimate destiny, lead us this day on a crooked path. So often we're in such a hurry, taking the direct route to our goals, not allowing ourselves to be distracted, sometimes being too direct with one another in all that we seek to do, to be and to have. We can see that no river takes a direct path to the sea. Your trees and bushes sprout crooked limbs and birds, beasts and insects meander in their search for food, shelter or a mate. We miss so much sometimes when we take the direct route. The chance to stop and say hello, to ask how are you and really listen to the reply. So lead us on the crooked path, past wandering streams and twisted trees, following our heart's desire, not just duty's demands, for the crooked path also leads us home. So here we are then, it's the start of a new year, an opportunity to refocus perhaps. And it's also the start of a new monthly ministry theme here at Essex Church. Throughout January we're going to be focusing on the topic of choices and decisions. And this morning I'm just going to offer a few thoughts on one possible way we might choose to approach our everyday decision making. For after all, our days and our lives are filled with countless small choices and decisions and perhaps a few choices and decisions that turn out not to be quite so small in the end. On the front of your order of service today is a quote from Kent Nurban. He says, Life is an endless creative experience and we are making ourselves every moment by every decision we make. Now depending on what frame of mind you're in, that quote might strike you in one of several different ways. Life is an endless creative experience and we are making ourselves every moment by every decision we make. That might sound to you like a wonderful gift. Life is an adventure of infinite opportunity. We can, at least in part, invent ourselves through our own choices, through our own volition. On the other hand, life is an endless creative experience and we are making ourselves every moment by every decision we make. It might instead strike you as rather weighty, rather burdensome, rather tiring. 
There's a certain pressure that comes with the thought that every choice we make will end up having a bearing, even if it's only a little one, on who we will become, a bearing on our very self. It's a bit like the phrase we heard in our first reading today that Brian gave us from Robert Walsh. Nothing is settled, everything matters. As he puts it, it's true you cannot escape the consequences of your actions or the chances of the world, but what is not settled is how the story turns out. What is not settled is what the meaning of your life will be. As long as you are alive, the story of your life is still being told and the meaning is still open. End quote. If we're aware of this, and it is possible almost to be too aware of this, that too can go either way. If we're a bit disappointed in how life has gone up to this point, then it can sound liberating. While there's life, there's hope, there's still time to turn again to make new and different choices. Any day can be the first day of the rest of your life. And just as an aside, I read recently that there's some evidence that it can be beneficial, can be advantageous to choose special days like New Year's, anniversaries, birthdays, the first of the month, even the first day of the week, to initiate these sort of changes, these uh, lasting changes in our lives. Alternatively, though, this notion that everything matters, the meaning of our life is still open, if we really take that to heart, it puts a lot of pressure on our future decision-making. We can find ourselves worrying endlessly over every life choice, every small fork in the road, agonising over which way is right and which way is wrong and what that decision says about the meaning of our life. I know this is something I've been prone to. I am a worrier. And this attitude to decision-making can be paralysing. The weight of unforeseen and unforeseeable consequences can weigh heavily on us. Now, like Kathleen McTeague in the second reading we heard today from Janine, most of us can't, unfortunately, rely on delegating our decision-making to someone else, a mysterious diviner, in the hope that they will intuit the right way to go. We generally have to make our own call, regardless of how huge, portentous and muddled the life issues in question might be, though we might draw on the advice of wise friends or take it to God in prayer, as the saying goes. But in the end, as Kathleen McTeague says, we all come to some decision points where every option seems ambiguous and we don't have a clue which way to go. We arrive at a turn in the road we can't see around until we take the next steps. And we take those steps not knowing whether or not we've made the right choice. End quote. The right choice, she says. And it's easy to fall into this way of thinking, to imagine that we're always choosing between distinct options. This way is definitely right, that way is definitely wrong. I remember reading about this phenomenon some years ago in Susan Jeffers' classic self-help text, which I found very helpful, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Um, If you've got a temperament anything like mine, I highly recommend this book. Susan Jeffers talks about this way of viewing the world as no-win decision-making. If you tend to think about your life choices in this way, you're more likely to approach them with feelings of heaviness and dread and spend a lot of energy and stress over them. And whatever you decide, you're likely to look back at your decision thinking, what if? Forever wondering about the road not taken and comparing your lived reality with this imagined alternative universe where it all went better. Susan Jeffers suggests that we try to switch to a no-lose decision-making outlook instead. More often than not, the options we're choosing between won't amount to a clear win and lose. Most of the time, there's not a distinct and unambiguous right and wrong to choose between. There's no trapdoor that's going to open up beneath us, no sirens or flashing lights announcing game over. 
Um, as Jeff has put it, whichever way you go, this way or that, there will be goodies along the way. That's the word she uses, goodies. Opportunities to experience life in a new way, to learn and to grow, to find out who you are and who you'd really like to be, and what you would really like to do with your life. And inevitably, whichever way you go, there will also be challenges and other effects you could never anticipate. Sometimes decisions aren't actually final. You might have an opportunity to retrace your steps. But other times life will just keep rolling and the road not taken will disappear from view. Opportunities will open up and close down depending on your decision and that might turn out to be okay. Now this is not an argument for not taking your decision seriously. After all, everything matters. And of course, there are some situations which truly do fall into the category of life and death. In these, you would be well advised to give the weighing up process maximum care and attention. But if you choose to accept and adopt this no-lose attitude to decision-making, you might find yourself free to take your everyday choices a little more lightly, to be a little bit more playful, experimental even, in your attitude to life. You might find yourself saying a little more often, why not? <coughs> Are you familiar with um, choose your own adventure stories? Yeah, there's more nods in the room than I expected. I've asked a few people about it this week and it seems that they weren't as well known as I thought they were. I will explain just in case there's anyone in the room who's not familiar. When I was a kid, you could buy choose-your-own-adventure books, aimed at young people usually. They'd start off like any other adventure story, but typically they were written in the first person, so you, the reader, were in the place of the hero. And after a few pages, you'd be faced with a choice, something like, are you going to A, try to fight the villain, or B, run away? So you'd either turn to page 10 and find out what happened if you fought, or page 20 and find out what happened if you ran. And the story would divide and divide again every time you made a choice of some sort into many different timelines, resulting in completely different endings to the story. Many choose-your-own-adventure writers seem to delight in making it so that 99% of the choices ended in grim death, and only one very hard-to-find path took you through to a triumphant ending. I used to love these interactive stories, usually about plucky crime-fighting teenagers. I remember saving up my book tokens for a special trip to WH Smith in the summer holidays, since then, technology has moved on, of course. There's a whole genre of choose-your-own-adventure uh, video games. And completely coincidentally, given that I picked the title of this service about six weeks ago, in the last week, choose-your-own-adventure has been in the news due to uh, the TV show Black Mirror releasing its first-ever feature-length uh, choose-your-own-adventure film on Netflix called Bandersnatch. No spoilers. <laughs> so in these stories, whether in books, in games, or on the telly, a lot can seem to hinge on a little decision. What did you choose for breakfast, sugar puffs or frosties? Apparently that can have drastic consequences. For the sake of maximising tension, choose your own adventure stories tend to be written from a no-win perspective, playing up the dramatic dilemmas and disasters that await our poor protagonist at every turn. But real life need not be like that. And taking a no-lose attitude can help us to dial down the everyday drama that we have to live through. This service was entitled Choose Your Own Adventure simply because I had a playful, frivolous thought. Why not adopt this phrase as a little motto, maxim or proverb for the new year? Choose 
your own adventure. Think of it as a reminder to bring lightness and play to your everyday decisions. I will unpack this a bit. Choose your own adventure starts with choose. To remind us that whatever our circumstances, we do generally have some choices available to us. Even if it's just the choice of the internal attitude we bring to the situation, such as no win versus no lose. Of course, we are all constrained in various ways. Physical, practical, financial and social considerations bring about constraints that might well be hard to overcome. We mustn't deny those factors which limit our available options, that tie our hands, mean that we can't act entirely freely. But some apparent constraints are just a mirage. Some are rooted in the stories we tell about ourselves and the stories that society tells about us who we think we are, who others think we are, who we used to be. And we can still choose to throw off some of those constraints, to reinvent ourselves, discover surprising aspects of our personality, and maybe do things that we thought were beyond us. Choose your own adventure, your own, rather than somebody else's. Wherever we look, there are glossy images portraying lifestyles of the rich and famous, those whose lives are deemed successful by the standards of the capitalist society that we happen to live in, and which implicitly set the template for what the good life looks like, what we should aspire to. If you're of a more spiritually-minded bent, and let's assume you are because you're here this morning, you might be more interested in the lifestyles of the saintly, the creative, the inspired, great moral exemplars, as you might call them. And we might well be inspired by these other people's lives. That's a good thing, I think, in general. But it's probably not so wise to compare our unfolding stories, our messy work-in-progress lives, to someone else's highlights reel, held up as an ideal. Let's identify our own highest values and principles and make them the compass that guides us, that gives our lives purpose and direction. And thirdly, the last part of the motto, adventure. Choose your own adventure. Well, adventuring doesn't have to mean a trip to the South Pole, a trip up a mountain, down a cave, or anything terribly perilous involving those hobgoblins and foul fiends we just sang about, unless they're metaphorical ones. An adventure is, according to the dictionary, an exciting or remarkable experience that is typically a bold, sometimes risky, undertaking. Another way of putting it might be to say, an adventure is a new experience that broadens our horizons and enlarges our experience of life. For you, an adventure might be learning to dance, internet dating, public speaking, travelling solo, volunteering at a night shelter or a nature reserve, dyeing your hair purple, wearing silver shoes, why not? So as we step out into 2019 and brace ourselves for whatever it might throw at us, I invite you to play with this idea of choosing your own adventure, even if it's only a fairly modest, cautious, shoe-related sort of adventure to start with. I'd like to close with a blessing for all of us everyday adventurers to go with us on the journey. Adapted from words by Jean Olson. As you take the next step on your life's path now, setting your intentions, choosing your direction, as you boldly venture into another new year, may you speak your deepest truths, knowing that they will change as you do. 
May you sing the melody within you, composing your own music, playing your song with all your heart. May you draw, paint, dance, sculpt and sew, showing the world your vision. May you write letters, poetry, biography, slogans, tweets, graffiti, the great novel, laying bare your words to love and hate. May you be brave enough to expose your aching woundedness and reveal your vulnerability. May you love even though your heart breaks again and again. And until the end of your days, may your life be filled with possibilities and courage. Amen. We've reached the end of this time for the collective gathering of memory, for letting the imagination play with future possibilities. We've enjoyed moments of connection and we've learned from one another. Shall it be concluded then? Or will this adventure, now commenced, continue? Our separate paths converging, meeting, merging, in the unending quest for love more perfect, the struggle for meaning more sufficient and life more abundant. Is this ending to be an ending or merely a prelude to new, more glorious beginnings? In your hearts lies the answer. So in the days ahead, may we choose our steps lightly, wisely and well. And after all our adventuring, let us come back here again to share what we found along the way. Amen. <laughs>